0: Coming at you from the Wee Desert Studio in Houston, Texas, you're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Statton, Kevin Cook, and Jeremy
1: Paxton. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 72 of The Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Statton, and I'm joined this week by Jeremy Paxton. Kevin Cook has the week off as I guess he's under the weather or still not happy about the major apple White hire at U of H, but both... Uh, Baylor University and University of Houston uh, Two schools that we cover immensely on this show Hired new football coaches, Baylor going with Matt Rule, the former head football coach at Temple University and uh, U of H Cougars promoting from within, bringing Major Applewhite, uh, you know, promoting him from the offensive coordinator position. And uh, Major had a very storied career at the University of Texas, playing under Mack Brown. And of course, if you follow football within the state of Texas, you know his uh, competition, I guess, with Chris Sims back in the day, and a lot of folks just weren't happy about that if you talk to any Longhorn. But a good move from both programs, and we'll actually discuss the Baylor hire. Uh, here in just a few moments with Ashley Hodge of Sikkim 365, but uh, Jeremy, in, in addition to uh, you know the hires, which we'll get into in just a moment, uh, the Houston Texans actually pulled out a uh, an important game on Sunday afternoon, going to Indianapolis and winning for just the second time in franchise history, also marking two straight years that they've knocked off Indianapolis on the road. Uh, Texans now in a tie with Tennessee at 7-6 and six for that AFC South lead, and uh, they really needed today's win.
0: Yeah, not surprisingly, the Texans squeaked by uh, with, what, five field goals. So uh, in true Texans style, our quarterback play was pretty bad, and Brock Osweiler won something like 14-24. and 24. So, um, you know, in keeping with the sort of mood on of, offensively with the Texans, they just haven't been able to perform. But I am glad to see us beating Indianapolis. They are a rival. I hate them and everything about that team. However, um, I think heading into the playoffs, it'll be interesting to see if this team can get something together on the offensive side out of the ball
1: and and that's the thing it's not like Brock osweiler has to be uh you know an aaron Rodgers type quarterback he doesn't have to be a tom brady he just has to be someone that can manage the game but I'm not even sure that he's managing the game well I mean like you mentioned he went 14 of 24 for just 147 yards Uh, his average completion 6.1 yards that's just not good he did have one pick Uh, he was sacked twice and his passer rating was at 58.9 so he didn't have a good game but uh, you do look at the rushing attack and I thought Lamar Miller played pretty well Uh, he averaged over five yards a carry for 107 yards on 21 carries and he also had a touchdown Alfred Blue uh, a little limited action he had about uh, 55 yards on 16 carries so I thought he Played pretty well, but uh, the one guy who really stuck out for me was Jadavian Clowney. I, he just seems to be coming into his own the last few weeks and is uh, providing some depth and help on that defensive line uh, that the Texans have sorely missed since JJ Watt has gone out with an injury.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, for any Texans fan who's paid attention to the draft, you know, every year the Texans kind of go for picks that I think, t- t- you know, they. They don't always turn out like we wanted to, but to see Jadavion Clowney coming into his own, finally kind of hitting his stride here as the postseason comes up, I think is really encouraging for Texans fans who've been rooting for him from the sidelines.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you look at the other team in the AFC South who has been really making a charge as of late, that's the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they knocked off the Denver Broncos 13 to 10, despite Marcus Mariota going 6 of 20. For 88 yards uh, in the game. So, you know, they were able to get that win, uh, stay within a tie for the Texans. And I think that's, uh, you know, going to be interesting to see what happens over these next few games. Uh, The Texans have just three games left on their schedule. And they do have that one important game that I think is going to decide the division uh, at the end of the year on January 1st as they head to Tennessee. But the Texans' next few games. Jacksonville at home, Bengals at home. I think those are both must win games. And I think they can win those games to move to nine and six, but. Uh, that Titans game on the road at the end of the year is going to be tough.
0: Against Jacksonville, they absolutely should win. Uh, Jacksonville is not that great. I, I see us really I, – I, we should pull that at home. Um, but uh, otherwise, I mean, it's a total toss-up right now. I mean, the Texans are you know basically a 500 team. And going into the playoff, I, I expect to maybe win a game. But beyond that, I don't I don't have much hope. That being said, going into the offseason, I really want to look forward to see what, what Bill O'Brien does with the roster and see who we draft. Um, I think going into the future, uh, he has to rethink his – strategy from a coaching standpoint because it's clearly
1: just not panning out on the field no and it's not peeling out when you have an atrocious quarterback and Brock Osweiler I mean they spent uh, it's a four-year 76 million dollar contract only half of that is guaranteed so you can essentially cut ties with him after year two but he's clearly not the answer I mean he looks lost out there each week and I don't see him improving and to me that I think that's an indictment on Bill O'Brien and if the Texans don't make the playoffs this year I could see him being on the hot seat. I I don't think they're going to fire him, but I could see him knowing that he's on the hot seat. And maybe if, uh, you know, Brian Kelly decides to leave for the NFL, I could see him as maybe a candidate at Notre Dame. Uh, But I don't know. It's just frustrating. Year three, it seems like it's the same old rhetoric and the Texans just are not improving.
0: Right. And actually, I mean, there's plenty of blame to put on Brock Osweiler at this point. But I look to Bill O'Brien. I mean, this is his team. Uh, he brought Brock on and and it might be kind of a coaching issue from the standpoint that he's not, you know, Brock isn't getting the direction that he needs. Um, So that, you know, that's always a a possibility, but I think uh, if I'm looking at the direction of the program uh, in terms of the franchise, I would like to see Bill O'Brien either change things radically and see how that works out, or maybe the, you know, uh, the management just think that we need to move on to a different coach.
1: Yeah. But, uh, you know, speaking of moving on to a different coach, they, uh, you know, both Baylor and U of H, named new head coaches, and we'll talk more about Baylor in just a moment, Uh, but U of H, uh, you know, Kevin's alma mater, uh, they hired Major Applewhite, and I think a lot of people believe that uh, potentially Les Miles or Lane Kiffin were strong candidates for that job, but uh, Major ultimately getting the call over a guy like Todd Orlando, who I thought, if, if, if anyone believed there was an internal candidate, I think a lot of people thought Todd Orlando would get the job
0: yeah absolutely and I actually saw earlier reports about Lane Kiffin being selected as coach you know some of that too early to be new stuff but um, yeah I, I was pleased to see Major Applewhite get promoted to that position I think he's worked hard at Houston um, I know Houston fans like him uh, you know there are always some questions when Tom Herman left that he might go with Tom but given his history at uh, Texas in, the, in a coaching capacity that probably wasn't going to happen so but I think it's an encouraging move for Houston um, it will be interesting to see him in head coaching position and see what he does with the program,
1: as opposed to some of the other candidates that were there. I mean, he's a very talented guy. He's a guy that, uh, you know, he spent the last 13 years of his career coaching. Uh, He's just a a phenomenal athlete. He's coaching 10 phenomenal quarterback. He knows his stuff. He knows the Texas high school coaches. He also has great ties within Louisiana. So I think it's really going to help out the program. But an interesting article in Fox Sports, uh, Aaron Torres actually published this, uh, suggesting that potentially Texas high school football coaches were the ones that blocked Lane Kiffin heading to U of H. We know that Lane Kiffin has issues with leaving programs. You'll recall Tennessee bolting for the USC job after just one year at the program, kind of leaving Tennessee in a tough bind. But uh, allegedly he was fine with the contract terms that Tillman Fertitta had actually presented to him. And uh, Tillman Fertitta was actually uh, listening to, uh, I guess, a radio broadcast in Houston uh, regarding Lane Kiffin and decided to actually call into the show To correct the record. And here's an interesting comment that he had. Uh, He said that, quote, I think for numerous reasons why we went with Applewhite instead of Kiffin. Number one, the Texas high school football coaches bombarded our athletic director. They said that we want our players to play for Major Applewhite. Here's a guy who's been on the big stage. He played quarterback in the University of Texas. He has a great relationship with high school football coaches in Texas. Lane does not.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually quite shocking that Tillman Fertitta would actually phone that in to a radio show. I mean, Tillman Fertitta is that, you know, he's a, a, a celebrity, uh, you know, kind of board of directors at the University of Houston, um, really entertaining no matter what he does. But that's really incredible. In fact, um, looking at that, you know, Lane Kiffin does kind of have this reputation. I want to say he's kind of a prima donna, kind of wherever he goes. He's kind of dramatic. And he's worked well at Bama, you know, under Nick Saban. But um, that's, that is just incredible. And I, I'm, I'm happy to see that at least from the standpoint of, of people who would actually be sending their players to a place like the University of Houston, they have their guy. So, um, but, I, I, hilarious from Tillman Fertitta, nonetheless. I'm actually kind of shocked he did that.
1: Yeah, Tillman Fertitta, billion dollar buyer. Uh, he's the guy for U of H athletics. Uh, you know, he's he's the, the chairman of the Board of Regents, and I think he makes a lot of the decisions for that university. So, uh, congratulations to Major Rappelwein for being named the new head coach at University of Houston. But for our own Baylor Bears, and again, we're gonna have Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365 on in just a few moments to talk about this coaching hire matt rule head coach at temple uh head coach at temple these past few years and he's got uh, 20 years of coaching experience he's coaching the nfl Uh, his dad is a former high school football coach his last two years at temple he guided the team to a 14 and 2 record against aac competition including that big win over navy this year to win the aac do you like the hire
0: You know, I I, so you know we'll we'll have Ashley Hodge coming up here in a minute to talk about it, but you know initially um, it was he wasn't really on the radar of anyone when we look at. Uh, who was being parroted around on the pay sites and sports media. He just was on the list. Like, he he might have been mentioned here and there, but he just wasn't on any way's radar. I mean, there were guys like Mike Gundy late in the game. There was, uh, you know, Chad Morris. You had even Phil Montgomery of Tulsa, some you know, part of the browse coaching tree. And so I think for a lot of Baylor fans, this came as a surprise. Um, initially, I am a little concerned simply because as a Baylor fan, I have gotten so accustomed to sort of that, you know, up-tempo offense that sort of spreads the field real wide. Um, he, Matt Rule, does not seem committed to any particular offensive style at this point. I, mean, he I, think is, he wa- I
1: think he wants to see what his players can do.
0: Right. He wants to see what the players can do. And and I, I think that that's, that's a both a good and a bad thing. I think from the standpoint of a fan base that came from such a dominant offense that sort of you know, threw off base, you know, historical rivals so often, you know, like Texas and Oklahoma, I think it's going to take a while for them to sort of mentally heal and come around to a new guy. I mean, and the only way that they're going to do that is if he brings home a conference championship. And that's kind of how I think the fan base will move on. But in terms of, you know, schematically, I want to see who he hires for us as his offensive staff. He hasn't made any of those hires yet. And I'm, I'm assuming that that's a good thing that he's shopping around and trying to make sure that he's hiring the best talent that he
1: can. Yeah. One thing that was really important for me when looking at this head coach is I wanted to see Baylor hire somebody with ties to the state of Texas. I wasn't sure that Matt Rule had ties to the state of Texas, and I was a little skeptical. I mean, we just spoke about Tillman Fertitta turning down Lane Kiffin because of uh, his lack of ties within the state. But Matt Rule went out and hired the head, you know, the president of the Texas High School Football Coaches Association, and that is longtime Reagan, San Antonio Reagan High School football coach, David Wetzel. Uh, He's going to be joining the Baylor football program. Uh, I think it's as a – it's not a – a formal coaching position i I believe it's like player development or something like that but that's a huge move right there. I mean, that ultimately gives you immediate credibility within the state of Texas.
0: It absolutely does. And I, and I think that this speaks to Matt Rule being the smart guy that, uh, that he is. I, it, one, one thing that I've gotten from people who, you know, I've, I've watched the press conferences, I've heard the interviews. I think one thing that Matt Rule comes across as immediately is he's smart, he knows what he's doing. It might take him a minute to adapt to his new environment, but I don't think he's going to be unsuccessful as a football coach at Baylor. I, I think right now, um, the, 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 the staffing choices that he's making in terms of his defensive staff. And then, you know, this with, you know, that instant credibility with Texas high school football coaches, I think that that helps our recruiting class, which right now we've got one. So uh, I think going into the future, though, that that's going to be a big, big bolster to our, our, our recruiting class.
1: Yeah, Matt Rule was actually uh, scouting some high school football games this past week. Uh, I know he's at my alma mater's game on Saturday, which was uh, the Woodlands High School taking on Allen High School. And the Woodlands stunned Allen High School and is actually going to be playing Lake Travis next Saturday. Day, uh, for the Class 6A state championship game, but you did mention that one recruit, and we do want to give him a shout out. His name is Jalen Petrie from Stafford High School within the Greater Houston area. He actually signed a financial aid contract uh, that will allow him to enroll for the spring 2017 semester on Friday. And he, you know, he's a four-year varsity letter person, letterman, I guess, for Stafford High School. Uh, he's totaled 83 tackles, six interceptions, four f- forced fumbles in just 2016 alone, uh, and. You know, his team this year went to the regional finals in class 4A. He's a guy that stuck with the program. He committed to Baylor University, not the football coach, not Art Bryles. You know, while every single person in that recruiting class left, he stayed.
0: Yeah, and he's going to be a special guy, I think, in Baylor lore, especially if the program... Uh, can kind of you know be springboard right. successor in the next two years. He's definitely going to become um, you know a household name for a lot of Baylor fans. My question right now in terms of recruiting and rule and everything we've talked about so far is what does uh, rule do in terms of quarterback? Uh, we were talking earlier uh, off air about the quarterback situation at Baylor. We've got one on campus quarterback was Zach Smith. You know does he moved? Does he go to juco's? Does he uh, does he go to other parts of the country where maybe there are more quarterbacks available? And I- I'm just not sure where he goes from there because we definitely. need Need more than one going into the next season
1: yeah you're absolutely right right now uh the Baylor University just has one quarterback one scholarship quarterback uh, uh you know heading into next year but you know you look at Zach Smith and he's a guy that I think has had a pretty good season as a freshman I mean he was thrown into the fire he was not expected to play this year he was uh, probably gonna redshirt you know I I think when he signed and he was here last spring uh, his plan was you know to sit behind Seth Russell Jared Stidham and be that third guy, which uh, you know would have allowed him to develop, learn the system, learn the proper offensive system. But with him transferring, or I guess unenrolling, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, and then Seth Russell going down and getting hurt, he had to come in, and I thought he showed a lot of grit. I thought he showed a lot of toughness. I mean, because he was beat up, uh, especially that West Virginia game at the end. I mean, he took so many shots. Texas Tech, he took so many shots. But he kept on getting back up. And I think his teammates and future teammates are going to look at that on film and realize that he's a tough, hard-nosed quarterback. And I think that speaks volumes for him as a person. And you know, Baylor moving forward, I think Matt Rule has him as a potential guy. I would like to see you get like a, you know, a fifth year senior transfer from another school that could come in and potentially start for a year. Or if you could have a, a JUCO guy come in and start. I would want to see somebody talented come in and start only because I hope that Zach Smith can get another year and just, you know, redshirt to learn the new system. So he's not thrust into a new environment. I want to see him be able to be coached up, and I think that would be best served by a redshirt year. But, you know, he's talented that I think he could start next year and make uh, Baylor fans pretty happy.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one advantage about Rule is that he does have experience coaching quarterbacks. And uh, I'd love to see where where, where Zach Smith uh, can improve. You know, of course, Baylor has a has a history of having fantastic quarterbacks. You know, Bryce Petty, RG3, Seth Russell, when he was healthy, was,
1: was an incredible quarterback. Was and, he? I, I'm really curious because he never played anybody. Yeah, he, he and, never and had, he never never had any marquee wins. His, I, I, I get that he got injured last year, but you know he was putting up all those stats against like Kansas, Iowa State. But this year, when he was playing good teams, he just looked off. I don't know if it was the injury last year. Maybe maybe last year, Seth Russell was a, a great quarterback, but I don't know. I mean. I don't know that you can put him up in that same level as like a Bryce Petty or even a Nick Florence.
0: Well, and, and let, let's differentiate. There, were, there was a big difference between 2013 and 2014 Bryce Petty, so it depends on which one you're talking about. That being said, the uh, West Virginia game last year, uh, I thought Seth Wilson did an incredible job. Uh, and I really thought he had enough momentum to carry us into uh, this year and be a great quarterback. Of course, all the offseason stuff, we would, we'll never know what that would have looked like, but you know uh, props to the guy uh for for showing leadership on the team even despite the fact that he might not be that you know that rg3 or bryce petty level quarterback but um in in terms of you know just the future here i'm really looking forward to what rule will do with uh, the next generation of baylor quarterbacks i don't think that uh it ends with you know the the past i think that i'm really optimistic getting in here to the future to be honest with you
1: yeah i'm definitely looking forward to uh getting a fresh clean a, a fresh start I guess for the spring and you know heading up there watching spring football but we're going to talk more about Matt Rule here in just a few moments with Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365. He's actually the guy who broke uh, the story for Matt Rule going to Baylor but uh, and you know it, it's been great talking football congratulations to Major Abba White you know get, being the named head coach at University of Houston Matt Rule obviously being named head coach at Baylor University but if, if you kind of want to find our opinions on this just you know throughout the week Follow us on social media, Uh, you know, check out Weekly Brewcast. Search it on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We also have a YouTube page that we actually haven't updated in several weeks. Uh, But, you know, we have great content there. We also want to make sure that you uh, also subscribe and follow our website as well, weeklybrewcast.com. We post new content there each Monday morning. So uh, be sure to check that out. But uh, again, we have Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365 joining us here in just a few moments. So without further ado, it's time to sit back, relax. Be informed. You're listening to the Weekly Brew. Last Wednesday, Baylor University formally introduced Matt Rule as the program's 27th head football coach at a press conference in Waco, Texas. And just 24 hours before, Ashley Hodge, co-founder of Sikkim 365, Broke the news to Baylor Nation via Twitter that Rule, who led Temple to this year's AAC championship, would be named the school's next head coach. And Ashley now joins us on the weekly brew to discuss the Matt Rule hire and Baylor moving forward. Ashley, thanks so much for joining us this week. Hey,
2: it's good to be on. I enjoy your podcast. You guys do a great job.
1: And we appreciate the kind words. We appreciate your website as well. Uh, great stuff over there at Sickham 365. And you know, you actually broke the news via Twitter probably about 20 minutes before Bruce Feldman kind of caught wind. What was your reaction on the coaching search? You know, how it was handled by Mac Rhodes and do you feel that Matt rule is the right man for the job?
2: Yeah. I mean, it was a shock. I, to be honest, it was, it came out of the blue. His name really hadn't surfaced as one of the top candidates for the job. I mean, it had been put out on a couple of, uh, you know, tweets that he was under consideration, but, uh, after watching his press conference yesterday, I think he is the right guy for the job. I, I, did get some feedback after the fact on, on the process and, and why they chose him. And I think it's just the combination of the fact that he's extremely organized. He's got tremendous energy, which you could see in the press conference. He's intelligent, and he's tough. He's got a lot of grit. And I think, you know, the fact that he's 41 years old, that he has the the youth – and the optimism that's going to be needed to succeed in in turning around this culture and turning this program and headed back into the right direction. And I also think that Mac Rhodes thought he was a guy that can win not only big 12 championships, but his upside is a national championship caliber coach. And so I think all those things factored into why he was the choice, but uh, they did a masterful job of keeping us uh, focused. um, You know, not, I don't think intentionally, but, the names that were surfacing were guys like Larry Fedora and Chad Morris and and uh, McIntyre at Colorado. So, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot of smoke on Matt on Rule, but but he certainly looks like a perfect fit for what Baylor needs. And I think they're in really good hands going forward.
1: Yeah, you just mentioned the other coaches, and there was a lot of speculation that guys like Chad Morris, Larry Fedora, you know, Mike McIntyre, and even Mike Gundy as of Monday night were strong candidates. And what was it about Rule that impressed Mac Rhodes to hire him over a coach who, you know, might have more credentials at a Power Five level? And, and do you think maybe Rule's prior relationship with Mac Rhodes, whether it was interviewing at Missouri or being in the same conference, had anything to do with this decision?
2: I think the relationship was important. If, if you listen to Mac, Mac Rhodes' words yesterday, he said that the most important relationship between a football coach is, is the AD relationship, and those two have to really be tight at the hip and, and be in lockstep and in the trenches together with everything they do. So a coach has to trust – his AD and an AD has to trust his coach, and so I think it came down to that that there was just a tremendous amount of trust between those two, and you know from prior relationships, you know working working in the same conference for years, uh, just you know hearing about his reputation and the type of person he is. I, I think that Mac Rose just really trusts him and, and just wants to partner with him in this uh, journey to try to build uh, championship teams. You know, so I think I think that was a big factor. But, you know, I I wouldn't underestimate, you know, just the fit. Um, Gundy, obviously, is a tremendous coach and, in my right. opinion, a top 15 coach. Uh, but, you know, I think Matt Rule just fits Baylor like a glove. You know, he's – you know, the faith component was very important in in the decision. and And I think, you know, looking at the success that someone like Scott Drew has had after a scandal, you know, 15 years ago, I think it really gave you know them a blueprint of of the type of coach that would do well, and you know I think that they saw some similarities, you know, and I think that probably had an impact on on choosing you know Matt Rule over other options.
1: Yeah, he was very impressive in his introductory press conference and statements to Baylor Nation on Wednesday afternoon, and you know Baylor is going to be limited in terms of depth next year on the football program. You know you've got a talent. You have talent on that roster, but it's still thin. What are the first things that Rule can do to, you know, gain the trust and respect of the student athletes that he still has on campus before he, you know, goes into multiple recruiting cycles?
2: Well, I think he's already done that. Uh, based on some initial feedback, I think the team received him very well. You know, he seems like he's a great communicator. He's got energy, and you know, he has passion. and I, And I think that those things just translate no matter where you're from, you know, no matter what your background is, even though, you know, people are unfamiliar with him down here, his authenticity, you know, really showed through in his press conference. And, you know, he brings a reputation of winning championships. Um, you know, there's a, there was a lot of attention on P.J. Fleck, and he's, a, he's an amazing uh, coach and I think an inspirational guy. But let's be honest, I mean, the, the MAC is a good conference, but the AAC – is a very underrated conference. Right. I mean, you look. You look at this year. I mean, you got three coaches that took Power Five jobs. The sixth place coach went to Texas. You know, Tom Herman. The third place coach went to Oregon, uh, Taggart. And then you got the first place coach going to Baylor, Bat Rule. And last year you had um, Fuentes going from Memphis to Virginia Tech. So I mean, it. it you know, it's a very competitive conference with terrific coaches. I mean, we're not even talking, you know, that doesn't even include guys like Phil Montgomery, who's going to be probably one of the hottest up and coming coaching candidates in the next few years. And, and Scott Frost at UCF and, you know, the coach at Navy and Chad Morris at SMU. I mean, that, that's just a tough league and, and very underrated league. And, you know, certainly I think the fact that uh, Matt rule uh, when 14 and two, in conference play over the last two years says a lot about the type of coach he is and and you know how he can build championship caliber teams. And
1: one of the things that stuck out to me during his press conference on Wednesday was that he 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 suggested that he built those championship teams not based on you know four and five star athletes or even three and two star athletes but based on his own evaluations. That's something that Baylor Nation kind of grew accustomed to with you know Art Briles taking you know like a two star Terrence Williams into an NFL draft pick. How important is it that you know, Rule learns the state of Texas, builds those inroads with Texas high school coaches, so that he can be helped a little bit on that evaluation process.
2: Well, it's going to be critical to his success, and unfortunately for him, there are you know plenty of Baylor friendlies um, coaching at the high school level, and just like there is for Texas and Texas Tech and A and I mean, it's you, you have you have a pretty good ramp uh, from from just all the people that have played at Baylor or have had, you know, brothers play at Baylor or family members play at Baylor, uh, you know, they're going to be more apt to help him and, you know, really help him establish those relationships early on because of their love for the school. And so I think he's um, as long as they are able to build trust with him and he's able to build, you know, Uh, show them that he has the character and, and the ability to, you know, take care of kids and get them to the next level, uh, graduate these kids and, and, you know, really invest in their lives. Um, I think he's going to earn their trust quickly. And I, and I think his um, record doing that at Temple speaks for itself and, and his reputation has been applauded throughout the nation once the hire was made. And, you know, I think people are watching that. So I, I, I think he's going to have a, an easier time doing that than people might um, expect.
1: Yeah, I, I I think, you know, he just seems like a leader. I almost wanted to run through a wall after hearing him speak on Wednesday. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I like about him is that he has spent time coaching on both sides of the ball. And I think that's a little bit unique when it comes to head coaches uh, in this era. But uh, Baylor fans have kind of grown accustomed to that high octane offense, but you, you, they've had a suspect defense since Bryles took over. Uh, Rule, you know, said that it is in his press conference that he wanted to bring the nation's number three defense while having a dynamic offense. And, is that a recipe for success at the big 12 conference? And do you see that type of philosophy working out in this league?
2: I do. I, you know, I think that that's, um, certainly something up for debate, but, but I, I, like what Stanford has done in the PAC 12, which, which also has a reputation for being a wide open, uh, you know, high scoring offensive league. And, you know, you look at Stanford, since Harbaugh was there and certainly David Shaw has continued this tradition. I mean, they're competing for the championship every year. And I, and I think that Baylor can certainly do that in, in the big 12 with a different style of play. I, you know, I, I definitely agree with the philosophy that it, it comes down a lot of times to who's able to stop the run and who's able to run it. And um, you know, certainly that's the recipe that temple has used to, to win championships or, or to compete for championships in, in the American Athletic Conference, and I think he's going to do the same thing at Baylor. Um, he may decide to go to more of a power spread. You know, I don't think he's married uh, to an offensive system, but I, I do think he's. You know, he realizes that his talent on the roster is you know, built for speed, and, and he's got some unique uh, talents at the wide receiver position. So I, you know, I'd, I, I would expect him to be you know, a little bit more wide open than he was at Temple. Uh, but i think it all comes down to you know what he said that he wants to play tough and he wants to focus on a physical defense and and running the ball with power so I think I think those are the two things that you're going to see as uh, trademarks of, of the type of program that he builds
1: yeah, one of the things he also spoke about was you know the the Texas high school football coaches their passion and love for the game and, and you know it seems to me uh you know from covering high school football a few years ago that uh, the student athletes in high school are more developed now than they were you know 15 to 20 years ago and I think a lot of that is the result of seven 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 on seven f- football during the summer times and. Do you think that the seven-on-seven culture within the state of Texas, I don't want to say it forces Rule's hand, but almost to maybe consider a a spread-em-out type attack rather than, you know, a power spread type offense?
2: Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, You know, highlighted by the fact that I watched a game from the 1990s, uh, it was a Baylor-Texas game, and I was just amazed at how inaccurate the the, uh, passing attacks were for both teams compared to... Compared to what we watch today, and I and I think that's a definite um, result of, of seven on seven and just being able to get down the you know the precision of, of the passing game, uh, which which was missing you know in decades past, and and so I think you have to adapt to the times. From what I've heard, you know, the one thing that they really were impressed by by Coach Rule was just his intelligence and his he's a student of the game you know, so I, I think he's a guy that's not going to be married to something that doesn't work. You know, if, if, if he's um, having some troubles and, and sees that, you know, a certain style of play isn't working, I think he's going to adapt. And I I think he's going to change, you know, to, uh, find a way to be successful and, and have his teams competing at the highest level. So I I'm, I'm confident based on feedback that I've received and, you know, certainly, um, seeing you know what what they've done and and really a wide open offensive league to begin with i mean you know like like we talked about a few minutes ago the american athletic conference is a really underrated league and they Mm. have some terrific offenses in that league and and you know he's been able to win games against teams that you know spread it out and attack you in a lot of different ways and and so i i think that you know he he knows he knows what he's facing when he gets to the big 12 you know he knows that it's a it's a similar animal, just with better athletes and, and uh, probably a little more depth than some of the teams he faced. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of attacks that are pretty similar to what he faced in that league.
1: Yeah, it should be fun to watch him, you know, start to build the program in the spring through spring football, looking forward, heading up to Waco in, uh, you know, March, April to check that out. But uh, one quick question on the current team, you know, they played Boise State in the Motel 6, uh, cactus bowl coming up here in December. Uh can the team finish the year on a winning note?
2: Well, if I was a betting man, <laughs> I mean, certainly certainly you would bet on Boise State, I think, you know, just based on how the last six games have gone. But, you know, I think I think it's going to be nice to just regroup for this team and, and perhaps even, you know, some of the players that um, know that, you know, this is a op- new opportunity for them. You know, you got guys that um, weren't playing or were backups for the – um you know, the the uh, current, you know, coaching staff is there right now. And it's a, it's an opportunity for them to impress Matt Rule, you know, and, and you know, give them a good taste of what, what they could do, you know, going into the spring. So it's, you know, bowl games are very hard to predict. I, I think the rational side of me would say that Boise State's going to win by, you know, maybe a couple touchdowns. But uh, you know, it's it's anything can happen, and you know I, I like the way they played against West Virginia. They fought really hard, and that certainly gives them some positive momentum heading into this game, and, and a chance to to show that hey, you know we can go out on a winning note, and you know send these guys off uh, on a, on a positive uh, note before we start you know spring ball and start to rebuild for the future.
1: Now, speaking of positive notes, you look over at the Farrell Center and Baylor basketball is off to an 8-0 and no start under Scott Drew. And, you know, the top five team, despite beginning the season, unranked. And uh, last week, there was a lot of articles surrounding Drew and kind of how his recruiting philosophy has changed. Uh, you know, instead of going after those one and done type athletes, he's getting guys that, you know, want a red shirt that are going to be there for four or five years. Has he found the new recipe for success and competing not only in the Big 12, but maybe at a national level?
2: I think he has, and, and I think, you know, guys like Brad Stevens at Butler uh, really showed that, you know, this is possible, that you can go to Final Fours and and compete for national championships, you know, doing it this way, uh, taking guys that are, you know, good athletes that really fit the culture of the program well, redshirting them, getting them stronger, focusing on development, and then winning with 22 21 year olds and even 23 year olds after, after you get them in a red shirt situation, you know, there's, there's always challenges, you know, you're going to uh, shirt a guy. And by the time they're a red shirt junior, they may be good enough to go pro. And, you know, that, that looks like, you know, Jonathan Motley may be one of those after mm-hmm. this season, but, you know, I think ultimately it's um, more satisfying to the coaches because they are getting, you know, credit for being great developers um, instead of great recruiters, and I and I think you have more consistency uh, with with the teams, you know, and, and I think you've seen that the last three years, even though Baylor has lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament um, both years, you they've you know they've gone to um, NCAA tournaments each of those years, and and so I think I think it it, it is a more rewarding experience for the fans. You're building a more consistent program, and, you know, you're showing, you know, the younger players coming in that, hey, if you're patient, if you trust the process, you can come in as an unheralded guy, develop your game, and be a lottery pick like Torrey and Prince. You know, so I I think, you know, having having those examples of players that have had success and have gone on to the NBA, I mean, that means everything, you know, because – because then when people get discouraged and when they have someone in their ear, you know, the coaches and other players can say, Hey, look, just trust the process, you know, keep grinding, keep grinding. And so I think that's what you've seen with this current Baylor team. And, oh boy, they're a lot of fun to watch. I I, I love this team. You know, I think they really have a team that's capable of uh, doing things that Baylor's, you know, Baylor basketball hasn't done. I, I mean, I think this is a final four caliber team. They've got a great point guard, they've got a great big man they've got a great shop locker they've got scoring punch from the two guard with uh, Freeman and McClure and, and even Mitchell and then they've got a you know a, a two guys that are just tremendous glue guys and, and Ish Wainwright and um, uh, Jake Lindsey and then a backup uh, post guy who's Deadly, you know, from 12 to 15 feet and can score on the blocks and TJ Mastin. So I think they have all the all the pieces to make a deep run this year. Gosh, What's your I thoughts?
1: I think you were getting me fired up for basketball season. I mean, 8-0 uh, start. Uh, it's just been remarkable. And hopefully they can continue that as they head into Big 12 play in, uh, in January. But, you know, you can't doubt – Bill Self at Kansas. But again, we have Ashley Hodge uh, from Sikkim 365 joining us on the Weekly Brew right now. He uh, broke the news on Matt Rule uh, being the, the 27th head coach at Baylor University last week. And Ashley, you you do great work over at Sikkim 365. And uh, for those that you know, are listeners that are not familiar with your website, uh, can you kind of give us a quick breakdown on you know what they can expect to find?
2: You bet. It's, it's a, a bunch of uh, Baylor contributors who are very passionate about Baylor. Most of us on the side are graduates of the school and, um, we're, you know, hardcore followers of, of the sports programs. And, and so I think, um, we've had some, you know, situations here since May with the, uh, you know, the firing of Bryles and the coaching search where there was just so much speculation because, um, you know, not, not a lot of information out there. Both, both situations were, you know, kept pretty secretive and, and, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of transparency. So, um, you know, it generated a lot of interest. But, but really the bread and butter of what we do is, is we, we love to follow the recruiting. We love to follow the teams. And so we think our strength is just, you know, giving great information on the recruiting process and what's going on with the teams and, and team notes. And so we do that on a daily basis. And we have guys that are Colt Barbers full time and, and really directs a lot of that. Uh, But we've got some great contributors out there as well and and plenty of terrific uh, message board posters like yourself. And, you know, we we just think we have um, a great community and and an opportunity for Baylor fans to really connect to each other and and follow their teams uh, with some people that are passionate about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. If you if you do not subscribe already to Sikkim 365, I highly recommend it. Uh, you know, uh, both you, Brian Colt, Amy, Sam, Terrence, Weston, uh, even Matt Mosley, Jason King, uh, all great contributors to that website. So uh, be sure to check that out if you listen to this podcast. And uh, also, if you want to follow Ashley, you can check out his uh, Twitter handle at AHSikkim365. Ashley, it's been great. Thanks for uh, breaking the news on Matt Rule and joining us this week on the podcast.
2: Thank you, Austin. You guys do a great job.
1: Closing time. Again, this is episode 72 of the Weekly Brew Podcast. We just had Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365 on the podcast. And, uh, you know, we spoke to him about, uh, you know, Matt that role being named the head coach at Baylor, kind of how important it is for him to get those inroads within the state of Texas, what kind of offensive scheme he's going to run. Uh, We also got to speak a little bit about Baylor basketball, which is just off to a remarkable 8-0 start, currently ranked number four in the AP poll, and uh, I think they're probably going to win out through the rest of 2016 before they head into conference play in 2017. But uh, Ashley brought up some uh, pretty good insight, and uh, Jeremy, uh, Ashley and I spoke a little bit about the Stanford model and how we think that that – might be what Rule is trying to bring in to Baylor University, but you know when we spoke off the air uh, earlier this morning, you weren't necessarily thrilled with a Stanford model in the Big Twelve.
0: Well, and that's that's because I think the Stanford model works for where Stanford is in the pack. I mean, the pack and the, and the Big Twelve are two different conferences. I think you know, as I told told you, I think I've always thought that Stanford needed the Baylor model, you know, minus all the scandal stuff. Um, but I, I, I think what what Baylor fans want, at least in this point, is they, you know, and at least from my perspective, I, I wanted someone that was going to sort of keep the the up tempo offense going. And I'm and not. He still saying, might have that, and he still might have that. You're you right. Could, you he could had, have like a Sterling Gilbert potentially coming to be the offensive coordinator, but. You know, we'll see. He hasn't made any hires yet. You're right, and, I, and I'm going to give him a chance. I, I think what the interview, though, with Ashley, you know, for me as a Baylor fan, I, I have more questions than answers at this point uh, for him. And um, uh, but of course, I'm going to give him a chance. He's a bright guy. He seems like he knows what he's doing. And, and I'll, I'll say to what Ashley said in terms of his hire over some of the other candidates, he really does seem like a good fit for the university. Right. And I think from a standpoint of where we've come from here, with you know, saying saying bye to Bryles and his staff and sort of the the program that. Sort Sort of defined what Baylor fans have now come to expect from the program, you know, in terms of wins and uh, performance on field. I think that he really is really the next best thing for us. Uh, I think from a value standpoint, he's he's a, he's committed to the values that Baylor, Baylor University represents, and so I'm really excited from that standpoint to see a guy of his caliber heading up our football program. And I think the relationship between him and Mac Rose is going to be vitally important going into here into the future.
1: Yeah, I also like that he's young and energetic. Yeah. You know, he he brought a lot of energy when he, he you know he had his introductory press conference on Wednesday. Um, to me, he reminds me of a almost like a Scott Drew. You know, in terms of bringing that energy, that excitement, I think he's probably I, 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 he's not in the Scott Drew mold in the sense that I, you know I don't know that he's going to be walking around having this giant smile on his face the entire time like Scott Drew does, but I, I think he has that energy that respect level that I think a lot of players are going to enjoy playing for him and you look at all the you know the statements coming out of Temple you know everything they said has been positive about Coach Rule and what he's done for that program because it's not easy to recruit to Philadelphia.
0: No, you're right. And speaking of his recruiting philosophy, I mean he he has one that's very similar to what we're used to in the sense that he goes after guys based on what he sees. He's, right. He has his own that's self that's evaluation. Yeah, I mean and he doesn't. He, he's not a um, you know a paper and pen guy. If he sees a guy who's ranked as four stars, well, he's going to go after him. He he sees guys that you know the evaluators might not pick up on. So and that's similar to that's similar to the way that Baylor built a. Successful program, and you
1: know, with a, a a team that just really didn't have a whole lot to begin with. And to me, I think that evaluating talent like that shows that one, you have trust in the high school football coaches, that you have that relationship, so they're going to come to you and say, "Hey, look, I got this guy. He's a little undersized, but I think you should take a look at him. He's he's a hard worker. He's going to work himself out." Uh, I, I believe Rule said in his press conference that, um, you know, he had two guys on his roster this year that I think were one or two star recruits that are probably going to be drafted. In the first two rounds of the nfl draft this year so i think that shows that he is an evaluator but secondly it also shows that he watches film that he doesn't rely on those scout those rivals those 24 uh, 7 recruiting rankings he actually analyzes film and in three i think that also shows that he has a lot of trust and his record recruiting coordinator uh, evan cooper who is I, I i think already making inroads within the state of texas so I, I'm really encouraged by the hire, and I think Baylor, you know, they have a lot of talent coming back for 2017. Depth is going to be a little bit of an issue, but uh, I think it's going to be fun to follow and see what Rule does over the next, uh, I guess, what 50 days before National Signing Day, the first week of February. But it, it, I think it's an exciting time right now to be a Baylor Bear. I think it is. Yeah, I
0: I'm I, I'm really ready to move on. I think uh, depending. On what rule does here uh, within the next few months and really into the next season is going to determine kind of the the tone of how the fan base reacts to him. You know the Baylor, f- you know uh, the Baylor fan base is kind of divided right now, right. understandably so. And I think I um, think this can heal. I, I really do think, yeah, I really think so. And I think the hiring of of Wetzel. Uh, he's going to be a huge boost to that. You know, um, we really need a catalyst to accelerate the program from here. And I think that was a uh, smart move in the right direction. I, I think Rule, I mean, overall, I think Rule has the right mindset about coming into this program. And I, I think it's something he wanted. You know, I mean, he turned right. down Oregon. I mean, he he uh, was sought after by more than just one program um, for a lot of all the media talk that Baylor was this horrible, undesirable job. I mean, I think that he sort of it that it's been It's been well-received yeah. by the national media. absolutely. So I'm I'm really encouraged and I'm 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 really excited to be a Baylor Bear
1: right now yeah, it's despite great all everything going on off yeah, the field. Yeah, it's it's a great time to be a Baylor Bear right now and uh you know Kevin we have mentioned is out sick this week so he was unable to join us but uh, typically what he would do in this situation is read iTunes reviews
0: and talk about himself. And he talk does, about himself. Yeah, he would talk about himself some which you know we we allow him to do quite a bit of that every show. It makes him feel good. It does. You know he uh, we, we we're we're working on this is you know Kevin's a work in progress
1: so we want to <laughs> we want to feel good about himself. So. And you know one way that Kevin does feel good is when we have people leave us reviews on iTunes, and we actually have a five-star review this week, and that comes to us from Blaker eight seven six. He uh, left the title Weekly Brew. Uh, he knows the name of the show. That's 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 exciting right there. Uh, but he also said, "quote I like the balance between current events and sports. Great for college sports fans." and Thanks, Blake, for the shout-out. We definitely uh, appreciate your kind words this week, and uh, you are definitely the listener of the week. Uh, Kevin is not here to tell you how important you are this week, but just know uh, right now that Kevin is thrilled that we have another five-star review. But I think this is a good place to come for college sports discussion. I mean, I, you know, we had great analysis this week from Ashley Hodge. Uh, we hope to get somebody on in the next week to discuss the U of H hire uh, Major Applewhite. And again, U of H is playing a bowl game next week as well. Um, but yeah, Weekly Brew. We are the voice of Houston. We are the voice for college sports, honestly, in the state of Texas. Absolutely. There is not a better place to get sports analysis,
0: insight, and a little bit of humor than the Weekly Brew podcast. We try. And we, we try. We try. We, I think
1: we need Hunter back for a little bit more humor. I really wanted to hear... You know what Matthew McConaughey thought. Oh God, Charlie Strong being fired.
0: Uh, Matthew McConaughey, any number of his his impressions <laughs> would have been valuable at this point. Honestly, I'm just uh, I'm 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 just happy to. Uh, have as much talent as we have on the podcast going forward each week, but definitely would like to get Hunter back or really his multiple personalities that he brings with him is what I'm looking for. I don't
1: know if multiple personalities is the correct term. Maybe multiple voiceovers is the correct word, but uh, it's been a lot of fun this week, Jeremy, having you in the, uh, in the you know the Wee Dessert studio. And uh, Kevin, we hope you feel a lot better. And special thanks to Ashley Hodge from Sikkim 365 for joining us on this week's show to discuss the Matt Rule hire at Baylor. And again, if you don't subscribe to uh, Sikkim 365, Highly recommended. It's like, what, 10 cents a day. So if you want Baylor information, that's the place to go. Uh, But again, uh, we had a lot of fun this week. Episode 72 of the Weekly Brew Podcast. And on behalf of my co-host this week, Jeremy Paxson, my name is Austin Statton, and we'll see you next week.
0: No matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, always, always brew responsibly. You've been listening to The Weekly Brew.